0: One of the things that we love to do at the beginning of the year is to revisit our vision and think a little bit about the things that God is calling us specifically to uh, as a church. Uh, in fact, it's something that we love, actually. We've got, we've got a big vision, you know, a vision to make disciples, to transform communities and to plant churches. To make disciples, to transform communities and to plant churches. And actually, it's something that we revisit a lot throughout the year. Because it's a really important part of who we are, the vision and the mission that God has given to each and every one of us. Because actually when we say this is the church's vision, this is, this is our vision collectively together that we hold and allow Jesus to outwork in and through us. And so uh, we're, we're taking a few weeks just to uh, revisit that and uh, it was amazing hearing from Pam last week. Uh, Let's give it up for Pam again. It was amazing to hear from Pam. Uh, Pam spoke to us last week about uh, making disciples. You know, what does that really mean? And it's such a challenge every time we revisit that topic. What is it to be a disciple, to make a disciple? If you missed that, uh, you can catch up online, find it on the podcast. Uh, And we're going to continue thinking about our vision today as we think a little bit more about discipleship, a little bit more about uh, what it means to transform and to impact our communities. And then, as I said earlier, in the service. We've got church planting Sunday uh, next week which is going to be so exciting uh, as we really think about some of the the specifically practical things that God has been, is and will be doing through us as a community to grow uh, his church in new and exciting ways. Um, But you know one of the things that I've been thinking about a little bit this week is um, you know what what it really means to to transform communities. You know what does it actually mean? Uh, What does it mean to see that kind of change and and actually in one sense i think it's that really simple it's the thing that we pray the thing that we pray really often hopefully the thing that jesus specifically taught us to pray which is on earth as it is in heaven you know ultimately that kind of encapsulates everything that we believe about transforming communities about seeing our world transformed you know it's what we've been praying about just now as Philippa led us praying for for our world for our city for our church for ourselves, you know, we want to see change, we want to see transformation, and we want to see it on earth as it is in heaven. And, and until we see that, we're going to just keep praying that. But the big question today, I guess my challenge to you right up front, is will you be part of the change? Will you be part of the change? Why don't you jump into Mark's gospel? Uh, we're going to read from chapter 6. I love this story. I love this passage. It's something that you will be really familiar with. Um, it's the feeding of the 5,000. In fact, it's an amazing story. A um, little bit of trivia for you. It's the, the only miracle of Jesus, apart from his, his death and resurrection, that is featured in all four Gospels. You know, This is a really important moment in history as Jesus uh, performs this incredible miracle of multiplication. And it's something that God has spoken to me about many, many, many times uh, in my life. Uh, I've called this message, uh, Bring It, Bless It, Break It. Bring it, bless it, break it. Uh, and if, if you're the kind of person that takes notes, write that down. Because if you just, even if you only write that down uh, and you switch off for the rest of the message, you can probably guess kind of what I said. Uh, when you're encouraging one another in your groups later on uh, this week. Uh, so bring it, bless it, break it. Uh, let's, uh, let's read God's word together. Mark 6, starting at verse 34. Basically, a large crowd has come to Jesus. And uh, we read that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. But by this time, it was late in the day, and so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. So send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages by themselves and get something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, well, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Well, how many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. So when they went out, they said, five and two fish. And then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. Jesus gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them, and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for these these gospels that you have given to us, these windows into your life here on earth. And Holy Spirit, as we just spend uh, these moments together uh, looking at you, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move amongst us, that you would shape, soften, mould our hearts, send us out uh, a little bit more like you, Jesus, today uh, than when we came in. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. So hey, we've got a great story here, and it all starts with a big crowd, a big hungry crowd. And, and, and actually, the, uh, the thing that we see right at the start is that Jesus has compassion on this crowd because they're lost. I mean, they weren't geographically lost. In fact, what had happened is Jesus had been in a boat. He'd kind of gone across the body of water that he was by, and this crowd had kind of run around and they'd kind of met him on the other. So this crowd, they knew where they were. In fact, they'd specifically run to get there in order to get to Jesus. But Jesus encounters them, and he realizes that actually they're they're lost. So he has compassion on them. They're like sheep without a shepherd, and there's a lot of them, and and they're hungry. And I was kind of thinking about this, and I thought, gosh, this is quite a, a situation here. Basically, we've got a big crowd um, that's not just hungry, but I'm guessing it's late in the day. They're probably getting a little hangry. Uh, everyone familiar when I say hangry? Everyone, yeah, it's the kind of when you put the hungry and angry together. And, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I've dealt with a um, kind of hangriness coming towards me uh, a few times in my life. Uh, I've got, a, I've, I've got a, a beautiful wife and... Uh, and daughter, and uh, and in fact, in fact, just this last week, we were in, uh, we were in Vienna, we we uh, and uh, it was an amazing time that we got to spend uh, with some of our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters, and be able to uh, to speak into some of the incredible church planting initiatives that, that are going on there, and what the Holy Spirit's doing there. But uh, as we kind of headed out uh, towards Vienna, we had to go via Heathrow, and um, and it was it was quite late in the day, and one of the things that my wife. Uh, had said to me very specifically was, uh, Phil, we need to get something to eat before we get on the plane. And I said, no, 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 it's fine. We're flying BA. (laughs) We're not... We're not we're not going on Easy or Ryanair or any of these. We're going BA, and uh, and so we got onto the uh, we got onto the plane late in the day, and uh, we got settled. And then two things happened. The first thing uh, happened was over the uh, over the kind of the tannoy, The captain said, uh, "Hey everyone, just to let you know, uh, there have been drones spotted above Heathrow." And um, and we all went, there was this kind of collective kind of like groan throughout the plane because we knew what this meant, you know, and we were worrying that we, it was going to be like Gatwick just before Christmas and, uh, 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 and eventually what happened is we were delayed for just under an hour so it wasn't too bad, uh, but we were stuck where we were. Uh, and then the second thing that happened was we suddenly realised that actually this was one of those flights where you don't get food. Um, uh, well, in fact, they, there is food available, but only in the form of like a 12-pound sandwich, um, uh, which, which I'm never keen to spend uh, our resources on. And so um, so suddenly I was confronted with a, a kind of a, a situation of, uh, of hangriness uh, from not one but two girls who were travelling with me. And so um, I, I'm just going to leave that story there. But, we, but you kind of get the... You get the picture a little bit. You know, Jesus has got 5,000 people in front of him. In fact, probably more. We read as 5,000 men that ate, but there would have been women and children. A whole community around him it was late in the day and they were hungry. There was a problem uh, in front of Jesus and uh, his disciples. And, uh, and something really interesting happens in this situation basically the disciples and Jesus have this little uh, encounter and we begin to see it unfold when the disciples say to Jesus hey Jesus it's late in the day Uh, send these guys away and let them sort themselves out and Jesus says to them verse 37 he says you give them something to eat you give them something to eat We've got a community with a problem. Needs needs change. It needs transformation here. The disciples say, hey, send them away, let them sort themselves out. And Jesus says, No, you, you are gonna be my agents of change within this community. And I think the first thing that we that we learn here from this story today is that transformed communities begin with transformed lives. Our lives. Our lives, our perspectives need to change if we want to see our communities and those around us changed, fed, sustained, given direction. You know, the disciples knew that change was needed, but the question was, were they prepared to be a part of of the change and Jesus effectively says to them look these these guys then they're not going to get fed on their own and and I'm not going to feed them we are going to feed them together there's a big lesson for the disciples to learn and I think within this one of the the big things that we see right up front is that the disciples were were basically being told come on you've got to stick with Jesus you don't go off and sort yourselves out you don't the community doesn't We've got to stick with Jesus. And uh, one of the things that's really challenged me just over the last couple of weeks actually as I've been doing some, uh, some reading um, this new year is just the simplicity of the call that each one of us is given just to be with Jesus. It, it all starts there. Be, be with Jesus. Because as we spend time with Jesus, we can then become like Jesus. And as we become like Jesus, we're able to do the things that Jesus did. And that, and that alone is it. That, that's the end of the message, really. You know, if that's the only thing that we can take hold of this whole year, we're going to see transformation in our lives, which will lead to transformation in our communities. And it all starts with being with Jesus. You know, my challenge to you, I guess, as we, as we still kind of step tentatively into 2019, is what are you doing to be with Jesus? You know, how are you setting time aside to be with him? Are, you know, are you getting up in the morning and spending time in his word? Uh, are you going to open a psalm and just spend time, even you know, five minutes if that's all you've got? An hour would be better. Just spend time with Jesus. You know, when, when are you going to just sit down and have a coffee with Jesus. Just allow him to speak to you. You know, when are you going to just go out for a walk? With Jesus. To be with him. Because as you spend time with him, you will become like him. Uh, You know, the fruit of his character will begin to flourish in your life. You'll know more love and joy and peace and faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You know, this is the stuff that we see growing in us as we spend time with Jesus and as we spend time with Jesus we'll do the things that he did we'll confront injustice we'll share the good news we'll sit down and eat and drink with people that are far from God and they will get a chance to see God because he's living in us we will see our communities transformed not because we've got some great project not because we've got a really nice strategic plan but only only because we have first spent time with Jesus. Stick with Jesus. Bring him everything you have. Bring him everything you are. And that's the beginning of transformation. I love it here in the passage. Jesus, uh, he says to the disciples, he says, how many loaves have you got? He's basically saying to them "In in this mad situation, he says, come on, look, what have you got? What are you going to bring? And they don't even know. And so, so Jesus says, well, go and see. There's an intentionality here that Jesus is saying to his disciples, go and see what you have. I mean, Jesus knows what they have. But he says, you go and see. What is it that you've got? Uh, and I guess, you know, one of the other lessons that I've really drawn from this passage, uh, as I've read it many, many times, is the fact that we, uh, we first need to not be oppressed by the size of the problems in front of us. You know, it's very easy to kind of look out in our communities, look out in our world and think, oh my goodness, this is, just, this is mad, this is crazy. How on earth are we going to begin to step into these problems? These problems are huge. And we kind of get oppressed by the size of what is coming up against us. You know, and the second thing that can often happen is we get depressed just by the insufficient amount of resources that we have in our hands the problem is big and 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 we don't have a lot the problem is big and we don't have a lot and this is what we see playing out in all of our lives in so many ways whether it's in our relationships you know whether it's in our workplace you know whether it is with our neighbors and the relationships we manage in our communities Uh, whether it's it's when we're thinking about youth violence which just seems to be kind of flooding the streets of london You know, we see these problems and we think they are huge and we feel oppressed by them and we look at what we have to bring and we feel, well, this is just so insignificant and we get depressed by our insufficiencies and our inadequacies. But Jesus says, What have you got? Bring it. What have you got? Bring it to me. And of course, the whole point of this story is it's it's a multiplication miracle. It doesn't matter how much we've got, because as we bring it to Jesus, something amazing happens. You know, But the important thing, I think, for us in this context is to think about, I guess, this kind of go, go and see what you have got. You know, Are we prepared to go into our communities and see what we have got in order to bring it to Jesus so that he can begin to affect change and transformation. Uh, I just want to give you a couple of stories that are just filling my heart with joy and excitement uh, at the moment. And, and they all take place. Um, literally a stone's throw. Um, a good stone's throw, but a stone's throw. Like a, good, a genuine good stone's throw. You know, they're really close, i.e. And, um, you know, the first one, I don't know if you know the Glamis Adventure Playground. It's, I mean, it, that's genuinely a stone's throw for most of us. It's literally just opposite the church. Uh, you know, don't please don't go and throw stones across the highway. Um, just a disclaimer. But um, some of you may may be aware that last summer, just before last summer, um, this adventure playground, which is just the most incredible resource sitting in our community, so close to our church, uh, which has served the community and its kids for many, many, many years, there were a lot of problems, and uh, and actually it wasn't just on the brink of closure; it closed. It was shutting down, they couldn't work anymore there was there was a whole lot of uh, stuff uh, to be sorted out and, and, and there was a, there, the community were crying out really because this was an amazing resource, and it was looking like it was not going to be there anymore and uh, and some of the existing trustees at the time they they, they approached me last summer and they said um, We really need new trustees. We need some great people. Uh, We need people that can really help and come and rescue this place. Uh, And we know that that's what St Paul's shadow has got. You've got amazing people here. We need some amazing people to come and bring change and transformation. Um, and so we kind of put the word around a bit and, uh, and, and, and basically what's happened is that we've got three amazing new trustees from this congregation uh, who've stepped out uh, over the road and have begun to bring transformation into that part of our community Uh, and it is open now and now they have new staff uh, and they're working on new resources and the children are being served in amazing ways and we've seen an incredible little bit of transformation happen in our community because people in this congregation who know and love Jesus were prepared to step in and say, look, what have we got in our community? How can we see that benefit? the How can we be part of the change? You know, it's, it's easy just to, to kind of miss stories like this. Because that's what community transformation really looks like. You know, It's the stuff that, that most people probably never hear about. It's the stuff that certainly never hits our headlines. Certainly never jumps onto our social media feeds. But the reality is, is that people in our community are being blessed and served. Because... People in this church stepped up and were prepared to do something, and it has been costly, and it has been difficult, and it has required commitment. And I think it's the most exciting thing. I don't know if many of you know the Martineau Estate. Um, I'm going to say that's a stone's throw. It's a lit, it's a it's a good, that's a good stone's throw. Um, the Martineau estate is kind of, it's literally just that way. It's, not, it's like not the first estate, but it's kind of the next one behind it, just the other side of Cable Street. Um, but, um, you know, it's like a minute and a half to walk, as long as you don't have to wait a minute and a half for the traffic before you cross the highway. But um, there's an amazing uh, football pitch there, uh, right in the middle of the estate, which has been a bit of a mess. And, and, uh, uh, and this has been a place where we've begun over the, the last year to pilot uh, some new youth work uh, in, into the estates here. Uh, and, and every Thursday afternoon we're seeing up to about 30 young people just come and, uh, and gather to play football. We've been partnering with XLP, we've been doing some media stuff with them. Um, our, the team from here have been gathering and going out and building relationships. Uh, now over time we've begun to uh, to be able to sit down and have a little, you know, have have some really good talks with them and actually give some messages to them uh, and out of that actually uh, some really exciting things are starting to come about. You know, that actually now rather than just go play football uh, you know we'll go out and actually tidy up the pitch and tidy up the area clean those bits of the streets first you know so it's a safe nice place for these young people to play yeah the second thing the, the team are working here on uh, on whether we can get the lights reinstated over this pitch yeah so it's full of light and not darkness so it's a safe place uh, for the youth to gather and to play and, and what's really exciting is just next to this pitch There's kind of four old sort of shipping containers that have been put together uh, which were, once upon a time, a youth club. uh, Which, as is the way with most of the youth clubs around here, are now covered in grates and chains and are never opened. And uh, and tomorrow we have a meeting with uh, one of our local councillors who wants to talk to us about whether we can, in fact, open that youth club again. You know, whether we can begin to see real transformation in that community. Lights being turned on. Closed doors that have been locked for years being opened. Safe provision for the young people of this area. You know, we know that is what is needed. And actually, if you go over there and wander around the estates, it doesn't look like we have much. But you know what? We have a God who is able to multiply. And it is the most exciting thing. In fact, I would ask you all, please pray. Uh, we have a meeting with the councillor tomorrow and, uh, and also the, the new trustees uh, of the Glamis Adventure Pray Ground also have a meeting tomorrow, a new trustees meeting. And, uh, and I'd love you to pray for those two meetings. They're happening tomorrow. They're a stone's throw away from this church building and we would love to see our community continue to be transformed. It is the most exciting thing when we bring it to Jesus, he's able to do something with it. But of course the resources alone are not what's important, regardless of how big or small they are. And actually what we see here in this story, that there's kind of two things that happen when this insignificant resource is brought to Jesus. Two things happen and I think they really create two contexts for us to think about the way that we bring ourselves and what we have to Jesus in order to affect change and transformation in our area. Uh, And the first thing that happens uh, is that uh, we see Jesus bless it. Here in verse 41 it says, Looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Uh, In a number of translations it's translated, Jesus blessed and then broke the loaves. Uh, and it's really got me thinking, actually, about this whole word, uh, bless. You know, what does actually it mean to bless? And um, it's something that we, we I guess, as, as churches and as followers of Jesus, probably a word that we might band around, a, you know, quite a lot. And I've been really wrestling. What does it really mean to, to bless something, to be a blessing? Uh, and I'm not going to go too deep on this one today, but this is something I'd love us to come back to as a church because I think there's a lot that we can really uh, dig into here but this word that's used here by the gospel writers is is a word that means give thanks literally when he says bless or or translated as give thanks and it's a word that's linked to the word Eucharist in fact in John's gospel John actually uses that word when he describes this action of giving thanks as Jesus looks to heaven and gives thanks uh, for this insignificant resource that was brought to him uh, Eucharist being our holy communion the way that that we together come and break bread and give thanks to Jesus those incredible symbols uh, and, and and the root of the word really is all about speaking a good word pronouncing something good and I was thinking about it, I think there's kind of three things that really happen in this when we give thanks for something or when we bless something you know you might think about it if you say grace at your dinner table you know what is it that we're actually doing when we bless the food well I think there's three things first we we acknowledge the source you know all these things come from God in fact whatever it is that we're talking about whatever resource that we have it's God's It, it comes from him it's given by him and for him we acknowledge the source. You know, the second thing is is we, we acknowledge God's sovereignty in it. You know, it comes from Him, but actually He owns it now. He rules it now. He's in charge. You know, it's not like we have to come in and say, hey, this is this is my stuff, God, and I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna let you have a little peace. Do you catch yourself ever when you think about tithing or giving and giving financially and you think, Oh yeah, you, oh thanks God, you've you've given me all this stuff which is mine and I'm, I'm going I'm to give you a little slice. It's all God's. It's just all God's. He's the source, and he is sovereign. He's in charge. He's the king. It's his. But we also acknowledge him as, as saviour. You know, the fact that, that God's will is to save us, that God's will is to prosper us, that God's will is for good things for us. He loves us. You know, and I think this act of blessing... This act of giving thanks, of pronouncing the good word over something really is an acknowledgement of the fact that actually all this stuff comes from God, all this stuff is owned by God and actually all this stuff is, is actually given for our good, the God who has plans to prosper us and give us a hope and a future. You know, when we think about blessing, when we think about giving thanks in any context, you know, let's think about the fact that we are bringing it to our God in those ways. Because I, I mean, I think actually that's, that's the very thing that we were created for. You know, one of the things that's always challenged me in a kind of a sort of flip reversal way is the passage in, in Romans 1, Romans one twenty one, which infamously speaks about the fall of humankind. It makes for pretty bleak reading, Romans chapter 1. And in verse 21, right at the centre of that passage, Paul writes this, he says, uh, speaking of mankind, he says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. And therefore their thinking became futile and their hearts were foolish and dark. You know, the very thing that instigated the fall of humanity was the fact that we stopped giving thanks to God, glorifying him, acknowledging him as source and sovereign and saviour. So we bring it. We allow God to bless it. And of course, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Will you be part of the change? even if it means allowing Jesus to break the things that you bring? Will you be part of the change, even if it means coming to Jesus and bringing him your brokenness, your insufficiencies, your insecurities, all the ways in which you feel insignificant? Truth is that God works, God's power is at work in these two contexts, the context of worship and the context of weakness. Yeah, that's the God that we serve. You know, just like with the, just these two projects that I've just told you about here, actually they all cost a lot and actually they all involve an element of brokenness, of insufficiency on our part, of brokenness within our community. But that's the stuff that we bring to God and we bring it in the context of, of blessing, we bring it in the context of worship and of prayer. Worship and weakness, this is the soil in which real community transformation grows, you know, and that shouldn't surprise us, you know, of course this is how our God came into the world to save us, you know, we only need to look at the cross and that teaches us that real salvation and real transformation comes through costly love, it comes through weakness, it comes through brokenness, it comes through even apparent defeat. These are the things in which our God works. You know, those who, who watched Jesus when he was dying on a cross would have seen nothing but loss and tragedy, brokenness. Yet at the heart of that dark moment, God's divine power, God's divine grace to transform was at work, bringing pardon, bringing forgiveness for every wrong that ever had been done, every wrong that ever would be done. God's salvation came through brokenness into this world and it's his transforming power that is at work in our brokenness today, in our community's brokenness today. The question is, are we prepared to bring it to Jesus? I think the thing about transformation is that it's always messy, any kind of transformation whether we, whether we see it kind of in a, in a building project, <laughs> you know, I don't know how many of you have ever had the, the opportunity to kind of get your kitchen redone, you know, in fact I know there's a couple of you that are right in the middle of that right now, you know, and there's a messy cost that happens before we see transformation. You know, and I think this is the kind of thing that we're all called to in this church. You know, and I'm excited that this is the kind of stuff that we are seeing in this church. And my, and my challenge to all of you, to me today, is will you be a part of the change? In a way that costs you, in a way that may well break you, but are you prepared to bring it all to Jesus? So that he can do the multiplication miracle and transform the community that is around you. So that people won't be lost so that people won't be directionless, so that people won't be hungry, but they will be fed and satisfied.